want to take this moment to apologize to our Sabbath school class this morning. I asked a very incendiary question that created, that changed the whole tone of the Sabbath school class. And I ask your forgiveness. I'm not going to make excuses for it or give you a rhyme or reason for it. I was, I was taught that when you're wrong, you say you're wrong. So I ask your forgiveness. Those of you who are in that class, you know who you are. Forgive me for asking that question. Some, some things that, well, I hear you saying it's not necessary, but since you're not the Holy Spirit, <laughs> she said, you know, what did, um, what did uh, what Deborah say? She said, the Holy Spirit is the one with the smart mouth. <laughs> you know, I'm saying, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit, man, he, you know, some things are just not right and wrong. Some things are just, man, keep your mouth shut. You know, let me do, let me do my thing. And so, would you forgive me for that, for those of you who are there this morning? Amen. She said, no, sorry, I can't do it. <laughs> You're going to go to hell if you don't forgive me. <laughs> no, 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 it's not a prophecy. Just a warning, amen. <laughs> um, let's get into our text today. God is good, amen, and his mercy endures forever. And as you know, we're in the series, God is Love. We've been looking at the salvation story, and we're now... And I'm, I'm glad that we are here now in light of all that's happening. We are at the point, it says, we've, we've gone over pre-creation, creation, conflict, which is sin, covenant, which is the promise of God's salvation process through Jesus Christ. And then we are in, we are literally living in, and I don't, I don't even know how to, we should bleed those two areas together. The, between the church, the time of the church, and recreation, which is another word for the second coming of Jesus Christ, and I agree with LeBron James. Did anybody hear what LeBron James said yesterday? One of the reporters asked him a question about the current condition of the Cavaliers. I saw it just this morning, and uh, they said, do you think when Kyrie Irving gets back that everything will change with all the losing that's happening? And LeBron said, the only thing that can change everything is when Jesus Christ comes back. <laughs> I'm not lying. Fact check me. Fact check me. Stephen Curry ain't the only one that loves Jesus. Come on, say. <laughs> um, he's right. There is only one thing that can fix everything at one time. And that's when Jesus Christ comes again. Come on, say amen. Every problem in life will be fixed when Jesus comes. Come on, say amen. There used to be a time when the saints of God used to get excited when you talked about the soon return of Jesus Christ. The next big thing is not another terrorist attack. The next big thing is not whoever's going to be president of these United States of America. I want to talk about that so bad, but I can't. I want, I'm so tempted to go there today. But if you want to hear my thoughts on that, go to my Facebook page. I got a blog, a podcast on there talking about Donald Trump, and I'll leave that alone. Uh, and these black preachers going to meet with him. Pray for me, y'all. Have mercy. But, 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 but it ain't the next president. It's not World War III, which we are seeing happening in Syria, right? 
It's not that. And nobody ever wants to characterize the next war as World War III because they don't want to create that fear factor. But I, I, all I'm telling you is, is there are a lot of things that's supposed to happen. We know that there are prophecies that are to be fulfilled. We know that there are political powers that are supposed to make movements. We know that there are laws that are supposed to be passed. We know that there is a time of trouble, the Bible says, such as never was. We know these things. We know, as I'm going to preach on today, that there is a shaking that is to occur just before the coming of Jesus Christ. A shaking, as it were, whereby those that are with Jesus will stay with Jesus, Amos 9, 9 says, and those that are not following Jesus will be shaken out of their faith and out of the church. However, none of those things is the next big thing. The next big thing is when he that shall come, will come, will not tarry, and 10,000, <laughs> time 10,000s of angels will be with him that sits on the throne. And when Jesus comes, he's not coming as a meek and lowly baby. Come on, say amen. But he is coming with all power in his hands. Oh, how many are looking forward to that day? Come on, say amen. But before that day comes, there are some things that must happen in order to prepare God's people for that day. And I want to talk about that today. Some of you have heard there is a doctrine that our church teaches called the shaking, called the shaking, called the shaking. Although there is not one singular verse in the Bible that speaks to this particular doctrine, there is a preponderance of evidence in the scriptures, specifically in the book of Revelation, that tells us that there is going to be a specific move of God in the church in order to purify the church of those that are for God and those that are not. And we're going to find out what that message is today. Turn with me to the book of Revelation. Uh, next slide, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14, and this is our text of consideration this morning. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. Revelation Chapter 3 and verse 14, the Bible says, To the angel of the church in Laodicea, take just a little bit of the ring out of my microphone for me, please. To the angel of the church, read everybody, of who? In Laodicea. Read with me. Write, these are the words of the who? The, when do you say amen? At the end of your prayer, right? Jesus is saying, here is the one who's giving the final word. I'm the amen. In other words, he's saying, it's, it's over now. We are at the point now where we are at finality. Amen. The Bible says the faithful and true what, y'all? The ruler of God's creation. It's very important for us to, to discern that. Watch that text there. Jesus wants to make it plain who's talking. He wants to make, make it very plain of, of who is talking so that credibility, so that credibility is not compromised. When, in other words, I mean, like, my, my mama used to do me sometimes, like, you know, she would tell me who she was before she told me what she was about to do. In other words, it was her way of clarifying that I want you to be clear, I'm your mama. Now, you do A, B, and C. Come on in here, somebody. Anybody ever had to pull rank on somebody before, right? Jesus is pulling rank. He's saying, oh, be clear on this. I'm the amen. It's wrapping up. And I'm the faithful. Somebody shout faithful. And true witness, I cannot lie. What I'm about to say is show enough the truth. I tell it like a T.I. is. I'm about to bring it right now. Here it goes. Are you ready? Here goes the truth. Verse 15, I know your deeds. The Greek says, I know your business. That you are neither cold nor hot. 
I wish you were either one or the other. Verse 16, read y'all. So because you are what? Lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. The Greek word there gives the picture of someone who is nauseated to the point of upchucking. Verse 17, he says, Jesus is speaking. He says, you say, come on, help me out now. I am rich, I've acquired wealth, and do not need a thing, but you do not realize, emphasis on that line, you do not realize that you are in fact are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I still hear a little ring in my mic. Uh, verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in where, y'all? So that you can become what, y'all? And white clothes to do what, y'all? So you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. All right, verse 19. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Oh, come on, say amen. <laughs> that's, that's, that's when after you get the whooping, you, oh, Lord. And listen, my mom, you know, she, the, she got the Holy Ghost, so she whipped you in the anointing. And then after it's over, she'd say, I'm doing this because, you already know, Lord have mercy. So because I love you, Jesus says, be earnest and do what? Repent. 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 Verse, 20, verse 20, here I am. I stand at the door and if anyone hears my voice, very good gentleman, hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Verse 21, to the one who is victorious, I will give the, to sit with me on my just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Lord, be with us today is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of our message today is Dangerously Close. Dangerously Close. Dangerously Close. Uh, the seven churches of Revelation. There are seven churches of Revelation. Uh, you know them. Ephesus. Um, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, you know the seven churches. The book of Revelation, before I, I look at those, you need to really understand that if you were to take your Bible out and look at the book of Revelation, an easy way to understand Revelation is to know how it is set up. The book of Revelation is set up in three main sections. How many sections did I say, everybody? Three, the three main sections. This will greatly help you in your interpretation of Revelation. Uh, Revelation the Greek word for revelation is apocalypse. You've heard that word before. We misinterpret that phrase. We use apocalypse to create fear, you know, sometimes. But apocalypse simply means unveiling or revealing. That's why it's called revelation. It is the unveiling. It, the Bible says it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. If there is a book in the Bible that you would call the fifth gospel, it is revelation. This is Jesus' book about himself. And it gives us very clear, very clear and merciful warning about what is to take place. Would you say amen? So there are three sections. First section is the seven churches. What did I say, everybody? Second section is the loosing of the seven seals. And the third section is the open contents of the sealed book. So if I were to give you chapters so that you could understand that and you're taking notes today. First section, the seven churches. 
takes you literally from Revelation chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 3. Then the loosing of the seals goes from Revelation chapter 4 to Revelation chapter 11. And what's inside that seal book, you remember that, the one that the Bible says that when the Lamb ascended, Revelation 4 and 5, that the Bible says there was only one worthy to open the scroll. Do you remember that? And who was it? It was Jesus. The Bible says it was the Lamb slain because Jesus died for our sins. He holds the right, he holds the right to tell us in mercy what is to take place at the end of time. Come on, say amen. So in other words, hear this. I want you to don't miss this because sometimes people twist revelation and make revelation less about Jesus and more about fear. Revelation has really little to do with fear and has more to do with a God of love who died for our sins, who has obtained the right to tell us how we ought to prepare ourselves for the greatest reunion that the world has ever seen when Jesus, the creator God, is now reunited with his children. That's all it is. And so Revelations 12 through 22 tell us, in fact, what is there. So in order for us to carefully understand where God is going in Revelation, it is crucial for us to understand the message to the churches in the first couple of chapters in the book of Revelation. Are y'all still with me this morning? I'm just trying to set some context here. It's very vital that you understand this. God first speaks to the church, then God reveals what happens in history, and then God tells us what's going to happen in the last days. So be mindful of this. There is a clear word from Jesus that cannot be confused. I'm going to lay out carefully today as to what Christ's concern, what his autopsy is, if you please, what his diagnosis is of the church. Watch this, y'all. Just, I mean, just before Jesus comes. So I believe this is relevant for us today. So watch this, the church of Ephesus, and they, all these things represent different time periods as well. The history of the church, we talked about that, form, deform, reform, restore. Y'all remember that, right? And so these seven churches represent those historical time periods. Ephesus, Jesus says, and, he, and watch this, y'all, he gives props or uh, he gives encouragement, he gives commendation to all the churches Watch this, except one, Ephesus, he says, I love you because you're hardworking. Smyrna, he says, I love you because you're rich in faith and what, y'all? He's a Pergamum. Uh, he said, you got issues, but you did not at least deny the faith. Thyatira, this was the most buck wild of all the churches, but he still found some good to say about them and said, hey, but you're loving and you got faith and you got what else? Sardis, we're getting closer to the end of time now. He says, uh, he says, although you're dead, I remember John Coxon preached a sermon on this. He said, although you're dead, he says, uh, but there are few of you who have not defiled yourself. And then as we get closer, we see the church of Philadelphia. He gives them props and says, and now this is the church just before the time that we're living in. He says, I love you because you've kept the word and did not deny who y'all? You did not deny Jesus. Now, 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 now. Now, Laodicea represents the condition. Please don't miss this. Laodicea represents the historical, this is a historical word. In other words, Jesus is saying, this is the condition of the church just before I come. Just before I come, here is what the church is going to look like. Are y'all here? This is crucial. I mean, this is amazing to me that, that the Bible is this specific that it would even tell us, yo, I want you to wake up. Because I want you to see what the problem with the church is going to be 
just before Jesus comes. Are y'all here with me right now? Oh, man, this is amazing. And out of all the churches, all six of them, he had something nice to say, but he had nothing nice to say about Laodicea. Not one thing. Each church had a commendation, had a correction, and had a promise. And Jesus said, hear this, y'all. He said nothing nice to the church right now. Okay, y'all not feeling me. When Jesus looks at the church right now, he can find nothing good to say about us. Am I going too far here? <laughs> Am I in line with the text? I'll show you. I'll show you. I'll show you. I'll show you. There are two pictures of the church in Laodicea. You've heard it. This is not new to you. But Laodicea is considered to be the lukewarm church, right? The lukewarm. They're kind of on the fence. Revelation 12, though, says that as you get further into the end of time, it says that, the, that, that some folks, watch this, verse 12, here is the patience of the what? Here are they that keep the commandments of what? And have the what? Hold on now. If, if the, Jesus is saying the current condition of the church is they're lukewarm. But before I come, a shift is going to happen. Are y'all here? It's got to, right? There's a shift that's going to happen in the church. And then the church is going to experience some change. And that change is going to be one of commitment to the commandments of God. How? Because they have faith in who, everybody? So, so, so here's my question. What, what is going to cause the change in the church so that Jesus goes from saying, I can't find nothing good to say about you, to then saying that I now see a people that looks like me, they have endured. Here is the Bible said, the patience of the saints. Doesn't he say that? Come on, somebody. In other words, all is not lost for us. I mean, there is an intervention, an intervention that's going to change the current condition. And he said, one day I'm going to go from calling you lukewarm and making me nauseated to the point that Jesus says, y'all's condition is so disgusting to me. The Bible said that I want to spit you out of my mouth. He said, I'm going to go from that to now declaring here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the faith. How are we going to get from Laodicea to a place where we're called saints? I heard one preacher say this, boy, this, I mean, this messed me up. He said, it amazes me that in these last days, he says, the Seventh-day Adventist church, those who consider themselves to be the remnant of God, he said, they're in Laodicea, but they're trying to call people out of Babylon. How you going to call people? From, where you going to call them to? You calling them, from La- you calling them from Babylon to come into Laodicea? And the Lord said, that's not going to happen. He said, I got to do something to the church to shake it up. Y'all not hearing me now. I got to shake some things up in the church. Now, I got to preach this like it. I can't apologize for this, y'all. Uh, I got to shake the church up. This is the word of God now. Hey, hey, he says, there's some stuff in the church that got to go. There's a disposition and an attitude and a mindset, a condition in the church that's so bad that I'm sick of it. He said, it's, it's driving me to nausea. He said, I'm at a place now where I'm about. Somebody say about. About is good news because he could have said, your stuff 
is so bad, I'm going to spit you out. But instead, he said, the stuff in the church is so bad that I'm about to spit them out. Lord have mercy. About suggests to me that before he does what he said he's going to do, he's going to give somebody a chance to experience a change from the inside out. And I got to tell it like it is. The church ain't right. How can I say that, pastor? Speak a word of positivity. I can't do it. Jesus said, when I look at the church, it makes me sick. The word to Laodicea is not applied to the world. This is a message to the church. Look at what he says. Look at what he says. Now, this blew my mind when I saw this. Now, he said, I know your deeds. Remember, in the Greek, the word deeds means business. And remember what he said. He said, I'm the faithful and true witness. Come on, let's keep it real. Jesus talking, y'all. This ain't nobody that you can fake with and be churchy around. He's not impressed with none of that. Come on, say amen. When Jesus looks like Superman, he got x-ray vision. He can look past your suit. Come on, say amen. He look past your weave. Say amen, somebody. Toupee, bald head. He see past all that. He looks down in your business. Lord have mercy. I, as a matter of fact, I hate preaching the church of Laodicea because every time I preach it, the Lord be messing with my life. I, it's hard to know. I'm telling you, when I see this text coming, I say, Lord, I don't want to preach this thing about Laodicea because I am lukewarm. He says, I know your business. <laughs> he says, which gives me a right to say, you ain't cold. Now watch this. You're not hot. Now, now here's what this, uh, this shook me. He said, I wish you were either one Okay, I got to make it plain now. So we already know Jesus wants us to be hot, right? That means on fire, passionate. I mean, radical. The word, uh, the, the word hot there is the picture of boiling water. Oh, Lord God. The water now has reached a temperature of such, of such, of such potential and heat that now it boils. There's movement. Things are consumed in its presence. The church is passionate. The church is fired up. The church is not dead. He says, he says I wish you were on fire. Y'all know that, right? How many know, come on, be honest in here, that the Lord wants you to be on fire? But how many of us can say, don't raise him or put him down, that you know that you ain't on fire? You know, come on, y'all. You know you're not on fire. You know that. But then he says, he said, I wish you were hot or cold. Now, this is crazy. He says, I'd rather you be cold than lukewarm. Cold. Dead body. No spirit in there. I'd rather you're gay. I'd rather you own drugs. Y'all, oh, this, I'm telling you, this is shaking me. He said, I'd rather you cold than lukewarm. I'd rather you out of the church than in the church and lukewarm. That's why I can't stand preaching this text. He said, I, he says, you're better off, you're better off being out there. You're better off being ISIS. He, Jesus is saying, I can work with cold. 
Because, oh Lord, he said, I can work with cold. He said, sure enough, I can make them hot. He said, but one thing I can't work with, I can't work with, are you here with me? When I'm reading this in the word of God, Sister Anthony, my mind is shaking. The Lord is saying to me, in your condition, you go into church, you're lukewarm. You love the word, you're lukewarm. You enjoy sermons, you're lukewarm. You enjoy Sabbath school lessons, you're lukewarm. You enjoy seeing other people get blessings, lukewarm. You enjoy mission stories, lukewarm. You inspire to hear God doing great exploits across the world, you're lukewarm. He says, as long as you're in the middle, as long as you're in the middle, he said, I can't. He said, I wish. Go back to that text. Go back. They got to see it again. And y'all got this blew my mind. Jesus said, I wish that you were either hot. I got that. But I'd rather you be cold, lost, no Holy Spirit, devil worshiping. I'd rather you out there than in the church and lukewarm. Am I reading the Bible? Go, go to the next one. Go to the next one for me. He says, so because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Go to that next one. Go to that next one. So, right there. Go, no, go back. Go back. Right there. Say right there. Y'all remember that? Anyway, now, say, look, come on now. See, everybody, you, you, either, you either work at an old building where they make no changes, but there's some folk who live that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Where there was not this newfangled thing where you had one, one, one uh, what do you call it? Nozzle, huh? That you, can, that you can move, huh, and navigate. There was a time, I remember, at my school at Pine Forge, they had two. I'm saying, how do I get warm water? <laughs> Y'all not hearing me now. Huh? When you gave me two options. <laughs> oh, I can only get it hot. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Or I can only, Jesus said, I can work with that. But I can't work with, go to the next one. Go to the next one for me. He said, I, I can't deal there. Can't deal there. Now, what I'm about to say will be interpreted as judgmental. Blame it on Jesus, not on me. The great majority of the church is currently in a position where God is saying, I'm about to spit them out of my mouth. Watch this. You are, <laughs> go, go ahead, go ahead. They got to see this line. This is what the Lord gave me. He said, the furthest place from Jesus is in the middle. The furthest place from Jesus ain't out on the streets being a hooker. The, the, word, uh, the, the furthest place from Jesus ain't with a crack pipe in your mouth. I'm reading the Bible. Furthest place from Jesus is not worshiping the devil. The furthest place from Jesus right now is in the church. I'm not talking about the church as it should be. I'm talking about the current. Let's, let's just be honest. Come on. Because I'm, I'm not preaching down to you. I'm preaching with you. I'm telling you, and this, this, it hurts to say it, 
but I got to agree with Jesus. I'm not hot. Who knows they ain't hot and ain't scared to tell the truth? Somebody say, well, Pastor, I ain't lukewarm. Guess what? Jesus only got two options. <laughs> There's only two options. It's hot or cold. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not like, oh, I'm, 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 more, I'm more hot than cold. Jesus said, I can only deal with two kinds. And I'm telling you now, pastor of this church, God told me you ain't hot. But I said, Lord, I ain't cold, though. He said, I don't care. As a matter of fact, I, I, I wish, this is what he says. He says, I wish you were cold. <laughs> y'all here? Are y'all with me? Come on, we're going to get into the kingdom, but we got to receive this word. As a matter of fact, Ellen White says that, that the straight testimony, which is Revelation chapter 3, the message to the, to, the, to the church of Laodicea, she said, this is the message that is to purify the church but watch this. She says, not many will receive it. She said, the majority of the church will not receive that their condition would be better if they were cold. Let me show you. Go ahead. Go on, go on, go on to that next one. Watch this. And this is the problem right here. Watch this. Jesus says this. Jesus says, you're lukewarm. I want to throw up. <laughs> this is what Jesus says, right? Now, this is what we say, though. Now, this is the real problem. This is the real problem. This is, what's, this is what makes us different than cold people. Because we say, the, no, what does the Bible say? You say, I'm rich. I've acquired wealth. I don't need a thing. He said, but, 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 but you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor. Stay there. Poor. So watch this. The problem, I'm almost done. The problem, the problem is, how do I know that I'm lukewarm when I assume that I am better than somebody who's cold? It is, the, Ellen says, it is a sin that is almost incurable. To have self-righteousness is a dangerous thing. Now, the Bible is not talking about financial wealth, because you're saying, that ain't me. The Bible is talking about wealth of knowledge, wealth of study of the word, wealth of truth. Jesus said, I can do more with an atheist, lesbian, drug-using hooker than I can what a seven day, what a, what a church person, what a Christian that has knowledge, that has light, but is not on fire. Be one or the other. Come into church. I've been preaching this, y'all. Now, I can promise you this. This don't got nothing to do with the move. I'm talking about our souls. Coming to church is a dangerous thing. If when you call yourself a Christian, it's dangerous. Dangerous. If you do not live with a white hot passion.
passion for God. The kind of passion for God that doesn't let every little thing drive you back to your house and every little thing keep you from serving the Lord. Every little thing, every little ailment, every little excuse. God says, I'm looking for folk like I had in the early church where they looked death in the face and said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. God said, I need the church to wake up. The problem is, is your own assessment of yourself is way off. I'm telling you, you're lukewarm. I'm telling you, you're miserable. I'm telling you, you're poor. I'm telling you, you're blind. I'm telling you, you're butt naked. I'm telling you this. But you say, I'm all right. The only way we can say we're okay, because I've been thinking about this, like, how can we say that? And truthfully, nobody really says that. All of us in here will say, look, I know I need the Lord. See, we don't say it with our mouths. That's why the text first starts off by saying, I know your works. In other words, Jesus ain't looking at what we're saying. He's looking at how we're living. Look at your life and tell me, is your life hot on fire for God? Jesus says, if it's not hot on fire for God, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. He says, well, why are you running around here thinking you better than other people because you got a little bit more wealth than they do? How can you walk around here thinking you got an advantage? No, you don't got an advantage. To whom much is given, much is required. To know the truth can be a blessing and a curse, especially if you don't live hot, red fire for God. Verse 18, I counsel you to, he's, uh, I'm sorry, we, they, they, they took me away, but y'all know what it says. So I counsel you, Pauls, stay right there, to buy from me. See, and look, notice what Jesus is saying. Gold tried in the fire. Huh? White raiment to cover your nakedness. Huh? Something to put on your eyes so you can see. Why? Why? See, you ever heard the story of the emperor's, uh, emperor's clothes? Huh? The emperor's garments? Huh? <laughs> where, these, where these two peasants said to the emperor, we're going to create. Now, the emperor was given to pride. So they said, we can mess with his mind. They said, we're going to create for you the most beautiful royal robes ever. And, and we're going to make them invisible. So that only the aristocrats and people that are as awesome as you can see it. And so they made the robes, you know, they're playing with him. You know, he's standing there being measured, huh? Because he's so into being better than everybody else, huh? That he's, he's just uh, and, and butt naked. And they're saying, oh, my, doesn't the emperor look good? Emperor, you need to walk down the streets, and you need to pose for everybody so they can see the awesome garments you have on. And here goes the emperor. <laughs> and and watch, the crazy thing about the story is, is most of the people were applauding. Because they were afraid to say anything negative about the emperor. But then a little boy who didn't know no better reached up and said, hey, the emperor is naked. Oh, Lord, have mercy. The worst thing that could ever happen to a Christian is when they get to a place that they think they got clothes on when really they're shamefully naked. The best thing that ever happened to me in my spiritual life is when the Lord got a hold of me and started putting some humility in me. I, don't you get around here bragging because of what you know. Don't you go around here bragging because of what church you go to. Don't you get around talking about we the mother church. The devil is a lie. If you are not cold, if you are not hot, God says,
say amen. If I told you your blessing is on the way, you'd be shouting all over this place. But let's shout on the truth. How many know you're a mess without Jesus? How many know that you're pitiful without Jesus? How many know you're poor, broke without Jesus? How many know that you don't have nothing without Jesus? How many know that the only way that there's anything special about you is Jesus? How many know you don't have no goodness inside of you? Your goodness doesn't come from you, from your parents, from your education, from your denomination. Your goodness comes from the grace of God. How many are glad about it today? If it had not been for the Lord on my side. We're too comfortable. And the thing that makes Christians comfortable is the presence of worldly people. See, because all you have to do is just compare. You say, well, I ain't doing that, so I ain't that bad. And what the Lord is saying is, is you're furthest from Jesus when you're in the middle. Now, if there's anybody out who's ever been cold before or is cold right now, I got a word for you that you, you, you're closer to Jesus. <sighs> Jesus said, I can work with that. I can work with somebody who knows, who knows that they are a mess. Hey, y'all, I can work with somebody that knows they need help. I, God said, I ain't afraid of your sexual orientation. I'm not afraid of your drug addiction. I'm not afraid of the company you keep. I'm not afraid of your habit. I'm not afraid of you shacking. I'm not afraid of that. Matter of fact, I've come to find out that my Lord will go wherever I need him to go. David said, if I rise up to heaven, thou art there. And if I make my bed in hell, thou art there. But you don't even realize how messed up you are. Coming in here quoting the Bible. Coming in here talking about what you know. God says, shut up. Are you on fire? Go on. I got to end this thing. Watch what, watch what second Tim. This is a prophecy of the last days. The Bible says, but mark this. Read y'all. There will be terrible time. Let me say this. See, the problem Again, with knowing stuff, you see, when you see what happened in San Bernardino, you say, those wicked people, how could they? Them cold folk, well, they real cold now. Because they dead. Come on, say amen. There's one on the run. Oh, no, just two, right? Mm-hmm. But there's somebody else planning an attack. And for you to utter, I'm more close to Jesus than they are, is an announcement that I am ready to be spit out of the mouth of Jesus. The number one characterization of a Christian, first, we see it in Matthew 5, blessed are the poor in spirit. Humble. They're not big on what they know, big on who they are, big on, big, big on nothing except Jesus. He said, look at this, terrible times will come. People will be lovers of themselves. All in the church, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, huh? Without uh, ungrateful. You see it in their worship. You see it in their worship. You see it in their giving. You see it in their commitment to ministry. You see it, huh? 
what else? Unholy, without love, all kind of division and foolishness and the talking and backbiting. The Lord said, I'm getting nauseated. Huh? He said, uh, uh, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good. Verse 4, treacherous, Lord have mercy, shady, amen, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And just in case, just, just in case he didn't call your number, here it goes right here, having... Having a form of godliness. But it didn't say, but not having access to power. It said, denying the power of the Holy Spirit. My sister, what did you say about the Holy Spirit? What did you say? The Holy Spirit does what? You said you like his voice. What did you say? Because he got a smart mouth. The Holy Spirit got a smart mouth. Reason I know the Holy Spirit be speaking to me sometimes because it always goes against my selfish desires. The Lord be trying to tell us to do stuff, but we too busy, too tired. I'm telling you right now, listen, the problem with the church is we're trying to be successful at stuff that ain't going to matter when Jesus comes. <sighs> Go on to the next one. Here's the profile of a lukewarm person. Number one, they're indifferent. They don't really care. Tony Campalo told a story, Tony Campalo, a very well-known um, civil rights activist, and preacher from Philadelphia said this. He got up to speak before about 3,000 ministers. And he said, over 30,000 children died last night of malnutrition and starvation. Second thing he said is, he said, I said, over 30,000 children died last night of malnutrition and starvation, and nobody gives a damn. Then he said, third thing, over 30,000 children died last night of malnutrition and starvation, and you're more upset that I said damn than that 30,000 children died last night. <laughs> lukewarm people, lukewarm people get mad about stuff that don't even matter to Jesus. Jesus is concerned about these boys being killed out in these streets. Jesus is concerned about these mothers having babies and nobody to teach them in the way that he should go. Jesus is concerned about the poor. Jesus is concerned about the needy. Jesus is concerned about the wretched. Jesus is concerned about the demon possessed. Jesus is concerned and we get mad over stuff that don't have nothing to do with the price of tea in China. The second profile of a lukewarm person is they're self-deceived. See, here's the thing. They get mad about all the wrong stuff. Music and, you know, worship and, all, you know, come on. I ain't going to go there. Y'all know what I'm talking about. All our things. But we don't get mad about what's going on out there to the extent that we push past looking at Channel 19, shaking our heads, and decide that I can do something. I can do something to help somebody come to know who Jesus is. I got to go. I got to go. Come on. Come on. Go to the next one. There's, I saw this movie. And man, the Lord gave me something when I saw that thing. Uh, this was about Everest. In 1996, 18 expedition, uh, expeditioners uh, sought to ascent Mount Everest. Now, y'all know Mount Everest is about 30,000 feet in the air. 
Somebody do the math on that. How many miles is that? I think it's like 15 miles up. By the way, if you fly airplanes, that's where airplanes fly. <laughs> when an airplane gets to its zenith, it reaches cruising about 25 to 30,000 square feet. That's how tall the tallest mountain in the world is there in the Himalayas in Nepal. And so every year, people seek to scale that mountain for the rush of being a mountain climber. Well, in 1996, uh, 18, 18 expeditioners went up, and a terrible storm came, and it killed 12 of them. And it became such a powerful story that they made a movie out of it called Everest. And I saw that thing, and I said, Lord, have mercy. The Lord just told me something. They say, see, see, what happens is, is there is a certain section. Now, you may not be able to see it. But when you get to about 8,000 meters or 25,000 feet, the human body is not designed to acclimatize, acclimate. Acclimate comes from the word climate. In other words, God has created us. I mean, we're so fearfully and wonderfully made that when we are in cert certain temperatures, our blood will do stuff to adjust our bodies. That's why you sweat when it's hot. Because <laughs> God is good. Because God sends moisture on the outside of your skin to cool down your body. And when you get too cold, I'm going somewhere. What the blood does is the blood starts rushing to your internal organs. I don't know if you've ever noticed, when, you, when it gets cold outside, the thing that's the coldest, come on Cleveland folk, it ain't your stomach. Some of us, I see you got your, I can have, seriously, I don't care how cold it is outside. I can have my coat open. Amen. But as long as my extremities are covered, rarely will my torso get cold. Because what happens is, is God has so designed us that when it gets cold, the blood rushes to our internal organs so as to protect the things that are keeping us alive. But when you get in the death zone, somebody shout the death zone. The death zone is when you enter that area that the human body is incapable of acclimating to. You are now in a place where you need extra surplus oxygen to be able to survive and you can't stay up there forever or you'll die. Well, what happened to some of these folks was hypothermia because they ran out of extra oxygen. Go to that next slide. Now, this is going to blow your mind. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Just, just keep it right there. I think I'm in it. So, so watch this. This is crazy. So when they get in the death zone, I was watching the movie, and something crazy happened. And, and I've researched it. When somebody experiences hypothermia, which is the blood rushing to the inside of the body, leaving, and you've seen people who have ever, uh, who, whose limbs have frozen, their noses turned black, their fingers turned black. Blood gone. Blood trying to protect to keep the body alive, right? So hypothermia will begin to do that, and it can only preserve for so long. But then you begin to hallucinate because the brain can no longer be able to handle what's happening to its body. So then the brain mistakenly tells the blood, go back to the extremities. Watch this, y'all. When the blood goes back to the extremities, they call this vacillation. When the blood goes back to the extremities, it sends a rush in the cold body that makes you feel like you're burning hot. 
And then what normally happens to a person who is just before, don't miss this, y'all, just before death in cold weather is they'll take off all their clothes because they're too hot. I'm watching the movie, and the guy, it's freezing out there, and he just starts, and his buddy is saying, don't do it. Don't take it off. It's your brain. It's playing tricks on you. Don't do it. And he just starts stripping his clothes off, and immediately the blood runs back, and death is only minutes away. And I said, Lord, that's what's happening to the Laodicean church. See, their mind is playing tricks on them. They think that they're hot, but they're not. They can, they, they, their brain tells them, you're hot. And involuntarily, they start taking off their clothes and don't realize by their declaration that they're hot when they're not, they expose their shameful nakedness. And not knowing that they are just inches from death. Come on, Willie, let's end this thing. When you are lukewarm, you are closer to death than somebody who is cold. There's only one thing for us to do. The Bible, Jesus says this. He says, repent. <laughs> See, church folk don't want to repent because they think repentance is for cold people. Repentance is for lukewarm people. Am I preaching the truth? Repentance is for folk who think they are not that bad. And do you know what repentance is? Repentance is a picture of somebody going in this direction and then making a complete about face and going in another direction. But see, there are very few church folk who feel like they need an extreme makeover in their lives. They feel like if I just try harder, if I just read more, if I just study more, no, 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 no. What you need to do is repent. How do we do that, Lord? He said, behold, I stand at the door. Isn't that a trip? That Jesus is outside the church trying to get back in his house. <coughs> Let me in! The, the Hebrew, y'all see this? The Hebrew word for knock literally means to violently bang on the door as if the house is on fire. The Lord is saying, turn around! Change! You, you do not know how bad you are, but you keep convincing yourself that all is well. I would rather you to be cold or hot, but you look warm. Repent. Repent, church. Turn from your Laodicean ways. Turn from your comfort. Turn from your lukewarmness. Turn from your indifference. Turn from your lack of fire for God. Turn from it. Turn from your lifestyle. Turn from your money. Turn from your things. Turn from your job. Turn from your friend. Turn! Repent! 
Run to Jesus just like you did when you were out in the world, when you were clubbing. And that, come on, somebody, talk to me in here. When you was acting like a fool, the Lord said, you think you needed me then? You need me even more now. All you do is come to church and all you do is say amen and all you do is study the lesson and, and you don't do nothing else and, and I'm tired of it. You make me sick. I was telling my wife the other day, Lord, help me, Jesus. Help me, Lord. I said, Shanae, I can feel lukewarmness. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You know you're lukewarm, but you can't do nothing about it. You know you ought to be doing more. Come on, talk to me. Anybody feel me in here? You know, you ain't, this ain't new to you. This is not a new sermon. You, the Holy Ghost be telling you this all the time. He said, you ain't doing nothing. I'm tired of you but I ain't going to let you go. Come on in here. Those I love, I rebuke and chasten. Reason I'm telling you this is because I love you. I love you. Let me in. Start all over. Be born again. Receive the Holy Spirit. Be fire baptized. Somebody needs to repent today. And I'm the first. And I'm standing here right now. I want to be obedient. I'm tired of the Lord telling me to do the same things over and over again. I'm tired of denying the power. Some of y'all know you don't got no power. But you think if I do a little bit more, if I, if I, if I pray a little bit more, if I keep going to church, that's going to be, I'm going to be okay. Jesus said, no, 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 no. Repent. Turn around. I want there to be such a change in your life that even the folks closest to you know you're different. Somebody needs to let him in right now. I don't know who you are, but Jesus, he's not had full access. I'm not saying you're lost. I'm not saying you're going to hell. Listen, because anytime Jesus talks, there's always hope. I'm saying it's time for the church to repent and get on fire for God. Some of y'all, y'all, some of y'all want that. Some of you long for that. Some of you long for that fire. Who are you here today? Who are you? You want fire shut up in your bones. You don't want to be afraid to tell people about Jesus anymore. You don't want to hold on to what little money you have. Do you realize when Jesus Christ comes back, Ellen White says, no Christians will have any money in their bank accounts. They will empty out everything for the cause of Christ. Repent. Save, Lord have mercy. I'm tired of singing this song and not meaning it, huh? Save, huh? Hear my humble cry. Your mind is playing tricks on you. It's telling you you're hot, but you're not. You're not. Why? Oh, no. Thou art called. Lord, have mercy. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. I asked, I asked the Holy Spirit. I said, Lord, 
I said, Lord, I, I cannot disagree with what you're saying. I can't disagree. But I don't feel, I don't feel lost, Lord. I don't, I don't feel lukewarm. He says, your mind is playing tricks on you. He says, stop comparing yourself to other people and to other people's problems. Listen to what, he says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Isn't that what he says, saints? And then I love what he says in verse 22, uh, verse 21, he says, he that overcomes. Jesus believes we can overcome. Come on in here, y'all. He said, he that overcomes, he says, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. In other words, he said, you don't have the right to sit on the throne now. You don't have the right to be judgmental now. You don't have the right to make assessments about other people now. He said, there will come a time when you'll sit with me on my throne, but you've got to overcome first. You've got to fight through some stuff first. You've got to be able to press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling in God in Christ. You've got to be able to let go and let God have his way. You've got to repent. The Holy Spirit is going to break some hearts today. Holy Spirit is casting down idols right now. When Jesus says that he wants everything, he is not speaking figuratively. He literally means, I want everything in your life. The rich young ruler came to the Lord. He is the prime candidate of the Laodicean. He said, Master, what must I do to be saved? See, lay on the sea and lukewarm folk, they want to they change. They want to. But when Jesus speaks the word to them, the price is too high. Jesus said, he said, he said, uh, have you kept the commandments? And he, in his arrogance, he said, I kept them all. And then Jesus says, he said, well, do this one thing you lack. He said, all that stuff that you got. He said, sell it all. And follow me. And the Bible says, Lord have mercy. Some of us do this every day. He said, the Bible says that he walked away. And then Jesus uttered these words. It is hard for a rich man to be saved. He ain't talking about money, y'all. He's talking about wealth of spiritual resources and blessing. He says, but what is, hallelujah. He said, but what? is impossible with man thank you Jesus is not impossible with God come on blaze his name y'all Jesus says when I look at your condition it's impossible for you to change on your own but I am the God that is the I am God and what is impossible with your own strength what is impossible with your prayer life what is impossible with your church attendance he said, nothing is impossible with God. I want it all. I want your job. I want your children. I want your heart. I want your mind. I want your soul. I want your money. I want it all. Before I ask you to say yes to the Lord, you need to repent right now. Every one of us. Every single one of us, from the pastor to the pew, should say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, it's impossible for me to change. You got to do it, Lord.
and I give you permission to come on inside, Jesus. How many receive that word today? Hey, listen. The price of hell is too high. The price of hell is too high. But when it comes to salvation, Jesus paid it all. Come on in here, somebody. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't, care. I don't want to care about stuff that doesn't matter. I, I, all I want is Jesus. I want Jesus in the morning and Jesus at noonday and Jesus at night. I, I want to do his will. Have I got anybody here today that really wants to do his will? Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord God. Lord God, have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy, Lord, on me, a sinner. Have mercy, Lord. Have mercy, God. God, we, can, we cannot leave here and do more, and that's going to change it. We need the Spirit of God to come on in. We need there to be a Holy Ghost revival. We need there to be a revival in the church. Lord, if you know you need the Holy Ghost, you lift your hands towards heaven and ask the Lord right now. Say, Lord, come on in, Lord. I give you permission. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to be afraid any longer of letting you have everything. Letting you have Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. The Lord said, I'm not a seventh-day Adventist. He said, you are. He said, I'm, I'm the God of Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sabbath. He said, I'm the God over all your life. Don't box me in. Don't compartmentalize me. Oh, Lord God. Lord, we feel your spirit in this place to heal and to set free and deliver from the young to the old right now repentance is the highest form of worship you, you are pleased when we say help me Lord anybody feeling that right now help me Lord help me God help me help me help me Lord I want to serve you Lord but this old man in me this old flesh God oh God give me power the name of Jesus. Amen. Return to your seats. Pass me that old gentle Savior. Pass me not old gentle Savior. Show how faithful we can be to God. 
I would like for deacons to come forward now, collect today's tithe and offering. Shall we pray? Father God in heaven, we are truly glad this morning for your love and your kindness and for everything that you've given us, Father. So this morning, we gladly return what is already yours, and we give this offering from our heart, and we pray, Father, that these monies go to finish your work that we might go home with thee. In Jesus' name we do pray. This morning also, this is time for us to collect a building fund. This is the first Sabbath in December, so it's the $5 Sabbath. So those of you who have something to give, the deacons will stand in front, and you can come at your leisure to give you $5. So we pray, Father, again, we thank thee for all that you've done. And again, we ask that you bless this money collected today, that it go for your purpose. In Jesus' name we do pray. Please stand for the benediction.
Father in heaven, we've heard your man's servant today. And as we stand before you today, Father, with all our, with all our heart, we repent. We want to be made new. We want to be on fire and hot for you. So as we leave this place, Father, we leave with your love in our hearts and your name on our lips that we can tell others about your goodness. And we pray, Father, that someone's heart might be touched, that they might want to serve thee. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.